Now, uh, this is part of uh, telling, uh, well, local stories, essentially, uh, whether people are born and bred Geraldton, uh, somehow found themselves here, and a way for them to talk about stories that are either Geraldton, Midwest, Western Australia, or Australian-based. Uh, it's just about meeting uh, these different uh, characters of Australia, uh, speaking to them, and, well, just getting their stories out there, because there are so many great stories uh, that we just don't want them to go without them being heard. So, uh, Steve... Born, bred, Geraldton man. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Todd. Now, um, we actually met because you were listening to The Brecky Show, myself, Senior Sergeant Chris Martin, having a chat, talking cats, and then uh, you popped in. You had a couple of uh, tales to tell us about some cats, and I said, Steve, you should pop in sometime. We'll have a bit of a chat and talk about some of your your, your stories, your experiences through the years, and uh, true to your word, here you are now, and uh, I really appreciate it and looking forward to, to uh, talking about some of your stories. Now... Um, I suppose you want to give folks perhaps a little bit more of a background, your time in, in Geraldton. I know we're talking about off-air. Uh, you started out as, as a butcher, and I guess that was your intention, to be a butcher yeah. at the age of 13. And I'll, then um, yeah. along I'll, I'll, I'll start the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to mum when we were at high school at the age of 13, and I was getting 20 cents pocket money, mm. and everybody else was getting 50. Oof. Which was, and Mum said, "No, you want a, you want fifty cents, get a job." Mm. So, I made myself. Um, I got a Saturday morning job mm. with Mick Richards and Mick Fripp at the butcher shop on a Saturday morning from ten till twelve, doing the clean ups. And next door to Mick's Butchers, which is now Mick's Davies, mm. it's still the same Wallace store, um, he had a sign-up saying, paper boys wanted. So I went and saw Clem Peniment, Mr. Peniment, and I got a paper round. Mm. Cool. Not a problem. And when I was 15... I had to do my junior examination. By that time, I had three jobs, so I was busy wow. all week, apart from Sundays. And she went round to all the people and had me sacked. I was not happy. <laughs> not a very happy Vegemite at all. So that I could do my studies. Right. The butchers wanted to put me on as a butcher, mm. as an apprentice butcher. And one of them turned around, because I was playing around with electronics, oh. I built my own um, amplifier oh. yeah, and blew it up because I cross, crossed over the speaker wires, made a burp, water under the bridge, and they turned around to me and said, you'd be better off in the electronics trade. Mm. So Dad tried to get me with uh, um, KB Electronics, Keith Bunt, and Keith had only just put an apprentice on. Then he tried to talk me into being in into the refrigeration trade, but they'd only just put an apprentice on the year beforehand, so they didn't have enough people to put a thing. And I ended up being an apprentice with the Jordan Electrical Company under John Spenlove. 
the best move that ever happened in my entire days. Uh, from there, we went um, during the apprenticeship. I was shoveled up to um, Cape Lambert, um, not Cape Lambert, uh, Learmonth, get it right, up to Learmonth. Um, and that's where I was told the expression of being an electrician by Sharky. I won't go any further with these names. And he said, you know the definition of being an electrician. You've got to have the hands of a schooled surgeon, the brains of a Philadelphia lawyer, and the outlook of an idiot to be in the trade. <laughs> now, on top of that, I've got one more little saying. It says, we deal with death daily. We can kill ourselves, we can kill mm -hmm. other people, or we can burn the house down. And it's a very complex trade. Uh, from there, went to Cape Lambert. I was there for 14 months. I was involved with building town towers with Dad. He started at the puddings and went up. Uh, went to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, up to Port Edland, up to Coolan Island. Mm. Coolan Island, I resigned from the building company in not, the 17th of December 1974 and then went down to Perth um, with my girlfriend and then became my fiancé, then became my wife and I got a job with APD Snack Foods. Mm. Now, a lot of people don't know who APD Snack Foods are, but we used to go through 36 tonne of spuds a day <laughs> making potato chips. Wow. It was Sandboys. Smiths were in the eastern states, but mm. Smiths have bought out APD Snack Foods, and APD Snack Foods was a part of um, the British Tobacco Company Amateur. Mm. Bit of progress. I was there for three and a half years and then we decided to move back to Jordan. Mm. And from there on, it was just travel up. Yeah. I can tell stories about all the different places. At APD Snack Foods, we used to go to work on a Saturday morning to do the maintenance. Mm. Huh? Um, at knock-off, well, when we finished, it wasn't knock-off time. Mm. It was when we'd finished what we were doing, we'd go down to the Nookenborough Hotel in a loop. The base was in Aussie Park and Scub Beach Road. Mm. Well, that was one of the factories. The other factory was in Guthrie Street. That was the, the, the office. Mm. we go down there. There's two blokes in the bar. One had bought a packet of uh, Sandboy and the other one had bought a packet of the Eater one. I can't remember the name of it. And he's saying, these are better, this is better. And there's Colin and myself at the bar and we are laughing 
<laughs> and these two blokes turned around. What are you laughing about? Because we've both got our uniforms on, but there's no signage. And I got up and I said, can I have a look at that package, please? I looked at it and I looked at the date code on it. Looked at the other one, looked at the date code on. They, they were both um, salt and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, well, that came off. I said, Cole, have a look at this. That's off a of number three machine. That's off a of number four machine. He took one look and he said, yep. That's, and these boats didn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and the barmaid, she she was hanging over the four of us <laughs> to find out what was going on. Wow. These, are, these are the fun bits. Mm. We had a fault at APD. Um, the process is there's a heat exchanger, heats up the cooking oil, 2,000 litres of it, parmaline, Gets heated up, pumped into the into the cooker, back around and back up. Potatoes get um, de-stoned, um, peeled with a big peeler. Mm. A big peeler is only uh, seven rollers um, working in reverse, mm. so there's supposed to go all over the paddock on a slight slope with water, just to take the, the skins off and then they go down and then into the slicer, which is set at uh, anything from 68 to 72 thousandths of an inch. They're razor sharp. Mm-hmm. And then from there they go through um, a shaker, shake the water off them, then they go into the cooker. Well, we had a problem with this heat exchanger. It had started off and it had run for an hour and then shut down. Started up again and it had run for four hours and shut down. And then it started up again. And it took us nearly oh, over three weeks, nearly a month, four weeks, and Colin and myself, we were reading the schematics, which are electrical drawings, and we couldn't work out what was called causing this because it's fuel-fired, um, the sensors, um, all the pressure temperatures, all the, all the rest of it. And I came in and said to Colin, I think it's the bloody timer. Mm-hmm. So... We, I said, I'm going to grab a can of Coke, I'm going to sit underneath the heat exchanger and I'm going to watch the timer. It was a mechanical timer where the needle came around and hit two little tiny micro switches. Mm-hmm. And it had a clutch environment in it. And it's perfect like that. But then it started to do this trick, flicking. Then it flicked and went, took, turned around the cop. He'd just come up to me to take, to, and he said, and the whole thing went down. I said, Shed, uh, Fred, shut her down, clean her out. And Fred was the cook. Colt, 
we need two timers. Mm. So we rang up, oh, rang up the office. Can you organise two timers? The timers cost seventeen dollars fifty each. They put rang up Atkins Carlisle. Bang straight over on a taxi or in a taxi, I should say, not on it, and refitted it. The girls had two and a half hours off at the time, put them back on, and that was the solving of the problem. After, what, nearly a month trying to figure out all the little bits and pieces that could go wrong. Is it this going wrong? And all of a sudden, that's the timer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Gordon Langman, the state manager, came into our workshop after about two or three weeks, everything working perfectly, and he said, that's what I like to see. The production manager, Tom, was behind him. He was pooping himself, thinking he's, you know, we're sitting around doing nothing. Everything's running beautiful, sweet as a dream. And uh, Gordon said, this, this is what I like to see. My two main maintenance men sitting, in the, sitting on their bum in the workshop waiting mm. for, a, for a fault. And then he turned around, he told us what it cost and what they'd lost in production. $36,000 worth of production lost because of that one $17.50 timer. But the hardest thing with fault finding and an intermittent fault Mm. is trying to determine where it is and how it is and what it is. Yeah. And especially when you've got a complex um, um, machinery. Mm, a lot of different components to Oh, it. yeah, very, yeah. very lot. I used to um, sell spare parts for appliances, so we'd have a lot of the tradies come in buying parts and this and that. And a lot of the time they would just come in and generally, you know, you get to know, you know, what's wrong with something when someone calls up and says, oh, there's something wrong with the oven that's not doing this, this or this. So they'd walk in, they'd buy a whole heap of parts. I know it's going to be one of these issues. They'd go out, they'd fix it, and they'd just bring the parts back. So they yeah. got to know it so well that they knew 95% of the time when I go out there, it's going to be one of these problems. The thermostat, the element. Yeah, yeah. In, in an oven, yeah. that's the strength of it. Yeah. Or your power supply. Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah but it's generally, yeah, uh, the, the element more often than not. It's yeah. Just that. Yeah, or the fan. Or the connection at the back of it. Yeah. Out. Yep. But you guys just get to know your job so well that, you know, well, if I've always got these in stock or I know I can just pop over and grab these few things, mm-hmm. I know I'll only have to probably make one trip out there. Yeah. It's good for them. It's good for me. Mm-hmm. Sort it. Yeah. 